Wow. So good to be here. And uh, thank you. Um, if you didn't uh, have a chance to pick it up uh, on the way in, there's a little note-taking guide to follow along. It'll make it a lot easier for you. Um, uh, and if you haven't had that, uh, I'm sure there'll be an usher. If you lift your hand up, an usher will get you one. Okay, so if you need to get one, so lift your hand up. Can we get an usher back there to get a few of them? And uh, just hold, keep your hand up, and there'll be uh, someone there. I'm, I want to talk to you today. I have to stop and... You're awesome. Um, I want to talk to you today about disappointment. I, I don't know why I want to talk to you about disappointment. <laughs> you know, because we're coming down to the end of the year, and what do you have to be disappointed about? Well, maybe some of you have something to be disappointed about. But, but, um, I, but I felt compelled to talk to you about disappointment. I can remember early on when I was first beginning in ministry, uh, a guy who was uh, a big mentor uh, to me at that time, his name was Paul Johansson. He was also uh, eventually became a president of the school here and a, and a big influencer. But um, uh, I asked Paul one time, I was just getting started in ministry, and I was seeing a lot of people blow out left and right, people, other people that were like me getting started, but they weren't surviving. Things were happening, and they were being wiped out. And I said to him, I said, what? You know, what do you think? What's the number one cause? What, what is the thing that seems to knock people out of this uh, ministry role more than anything else? And, uh, and he thought about it for a moment, and then he, he, he gave me a couple, but the number one he gave me was this. He said, disappointment. He said, not knowing how to process and how to deal with disappointment in life is is the big thing. No, I don't even know if I'm going to get through this, uh, all, all this that I, that I have to talk to you about. Um, but if you see the title, How I Manage My Disappointments, okay? So I'm not giving this to you from a book or anything like that. I'm giving this to you out of, over the years, he, he gave me, he forewarned me. At the time, I remember when he said it, I thought to myself, well, that can't be it. You know what I mean? I'm thinking you know, sexual problems, and I'm thinking, you know, uh, people greedy for power or money or things like this. And he says to me, no, he says, disappointment, he said, is the number one thing that I've seen knock people out. And so, so over the years, I tried to develop some understanding about disappointment and how I personally process disappointment. And that's what this message is today. It's, I don't even know if we could even call it a biblical message. It's just me telling you maybe my story, what I've discovered about how to process disappointment. So if you look in your notes, it says, um, uh, gives a definition of disappointment. He says, sadness or displeasure caused by the non-fulfillment of one's hopes or expectations. You'll notice I say how I manage my disappointments um, the reason why I say how I manage my disappointments because I, I call it managing is because there is no life without disappointment. What I'm saying, everybody is, is going to face disappointments of one type or another during your life. And, and so the issue is how do I manage my disappointments? Not, how, you know, I'm going to like uh, not have them or something. You know, this is, this is the kind of the foolish thinking we get into sometimes is this kind of feeling that if I do everything right, everything will go right. 
If I obey, if I do the right things, if I act in the right way, then, you know, the doors are going to open in front of me and, you know, everything is going to be triumphant and victorious and things like that. That is not life. Jesus' life is a lot more what life is like. You know, you do really good and then they kill you. That really is the, that is a much, that's a much more realistic picture of what life is like, right? So life has this, has this battle, this warfare, uh, not so much a physical warfare as it is a warfare in your mind and how you process and how you deal with disappointment. Look, at, look in your notes, he says this, I said this, like the fallen ice cream cone, you remember that? The balloon that flies away, the job that never calls back, the second date that never comes, the miscarriage of a baby, or the missions opportunities that don't materialize, disappointment is a part of life. These things, they're just all over the place, and that's not even a, a slight uh, um, description of all the kinds of disappointments, but everybody deals with this. Everybody processes it. Jesus said it this way, these things I have spoken to you uh, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, he says, I have overcome the world. Um, now, people deal with disappointments in different kinds of ways, and I've observed this over the years, and maybe you've seen some of this too, uh, how people deal with disappointment. Number one, numb, okay, that's the blank there, numb. Numb themselves with other activities. Um, they, they, they don't really process or think about the disappointment, but they try to fill their lives up with something else. You see this happen in relationships. A person gets disappointed in a relationship, and they immediately go out and get another relationship. They don't process the loss of what they went through. They don't think about what they could learn from the experience. They just immediately try and fill it up. Or they, or they get obsessive hobbies, right, where, um, uh, you know, it can be anything. It's not necessarily bad things, but it, it, it's when it becomes something that you use to numb the pain of the disappointment that's touching your life in some kind of way. So it can be everything from golf to motorcycles to raising your children obsessively to all kinds of things. It's you, you become involved in something in such a way that you're numbing your pain. You're not processing what really has happened in the disappointment. You're not really thinking it through. You're numbing your pain. Uh, and this is one of the ways people deal with it. Another way people deal with disappointment is underachievers. That's the blank there, underachievers. Some people seek to avoid disappointment by turning into underachievers. They unconsciously set the bar low and avoid taking risks. If you don't try, you can never lose, right? So let's just stop trying. You know, let's stop reaching for this higher level or try to go to this other, do this thing. Because you, you do that and you're setting yourself up for disappointment. So it's better just to choose the path of the underachiever and, uh, and move, uh, move there. You, you kind of come to it, you get to a mentality where you basically say, look, nothing is really worth fighting for. Uh, it, you know, there's just too much heartache, too much failure. Things don't come together the way you hope they will. And so I'm just not going to do anymore. I'm, you know, I'm just not going to keep trying to do these things. So there's the, 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 the person who tries to numb themselves, the underachiever. And then the third type I've seen is the perfectionist or perfectionism. 
Uh, others follow a very different trajectory. They seek to avoid disappointment by becoming overachievers. Although they tell themselves that their expectations of, per of perfection are appropriate and realistic, these presumptions turn out not to be true at all. The bar is set far too high to ever make whatever they want to achieve attainable. So the, the way they get away from it, they just say everything is a disappointment. They become perfectionistic in the way they approach things, and they just say, look, the, it, you never can get there. You know, the bar is just too high. The bar is set far too high. Um, they forget that perfectionism rarely begets, perf excuse me, that perfectionism rarely begets perfection or satisfaction, but instead it too often leads to disappointment. So when I lay these three things out here, the numb yourselves approach, um, a lot of drug addicts basically, you know, maybe have fallen into that whole thing. The underachiever approach, I just kind of, you know, what's the point of trying? The perfectionistic, setting everything always up out, out of reach. These three approaches, which do you think you use commonly to deal with, to deal with this issue of disappointment? How many would say your tendency is to move toward numbing yourself, just kind of filling yourself with things that, you know, just to make the pain go away, just not think about what's happening, numb yourself? How many have taken more of an under, underachiever approach, basically? Uh, you know, I, I just, you know, what's the point of fighting? What's, what's the point of trying to get there? What's the point of, uh, and how many think they have kind of more of a perfectionistic approach toward Toward things, so it's interesting, isn't it? The, the, that's there. So we have this this way of process. I, I thought there was a great little quote here from Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill once said, "Success is the ability to go from one failure to another with no loss of enthusiasm." I like that. You know, <laughs> one, you got one one problem after another, but we're just going for it. You know, one more time. You know, they're just just going in that way. So, how do I manage my disappointments? Uh, you know, it truly is my responsibility to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Let's look here at uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. It says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to, fle to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculation and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So there's this dimension of life that you've got to really come to embrace. And a lot of times when we, have, when we keep uh, kind of a childhood mentality, we don't understand that. And, it, and it's very simply this, that God is with you. And God is, he wants to give you great victories, but everybody only gets the ground that they fight for. What I'm saying is, God will say to you, this is your promised land. But nobody just gets it because God said it. Everybody has to step into the promised land. Right? Everybody has got to put their foot down and take the ground. If you don't get this, if you kind of think, well, you know, if you're really anointed of God, if you're really holy, if God is really with you, then he just gives things to you. I'm telling you, this is not how life works, all right? It is not how life works. The way life works is this. Here I am, 
I'm, I've given myself to God, and God says, all right, you've given yourself to me. I've given myself to you. Here is what I have for you. Here is the, the, the victory that I have for you. Here is the opening I have for you. Here is the thing. And so now you're going, okay, well, I'm here, Lord. Just come on. Lay it on me, baby. I'm ready to go, right? But that's not how it works. He says, here it is. If you want it, take it. If you want it, step into it. But, but if I step out there, somebody's liable to smack me on the head. Yep, that's possible. But you, you don't get any of it unless you step into it. Unless you say, okay, this is, you know, I'm, I, I look over at somebody and they, they're sick and I feel a, a, an unction sign. And the Lord says to me, if you pray for them, they will get healed. Now, you wouldn't think to yourself, oh, okay, awesome, right? But all once then you start thinking to yourself, wait a minute, this, what if I'm not hearing right? What if I walk across this space here and I say to them, hey, I, would you mind if I took a moment just to pray for you, you know? And, and, uh, and they go, oh, yeah, no, go ahead. And I lay my hand in Jesus' name, I'd be healed, you know? And, and then what if nothing happened? Right? It's better just to stay over here. Right, so the promise is there that you, can, that you can have this thing, you can have this victory, you can have this. But nobody gets the victory unless they step into it, unless they go over, unless they risk, unless they expose themselves in some kind of way. No, nobody gets it. So you got to get this in your mind. And this is especially true as it comes to disappointment. Disappointment will eat you alive. People will disappoint you. Circumstances will disappoint you. All kinds, of, there'll be all kinds of places where your expectations will be falling short of, and you, it will eat you alive, and you'll find yourself just quitting the ministry, quitting following in, in the purposes of God for your life, quitting all that kind of stuff, because that disappointment just so saturates you, unless you learn how to do battle. So I want to share with you a couple of ways that I fight. This is what I have to do for myself. Okay, number one in your notes. Using gratitude to reframe my thoughts. And everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What is there to thank God for, okay? What, what, what is there to thank God for in my current situation? What is there to thank God for in this disappointment, right? Because something happened that I really didn't want to happen, and yet that's where it is. What is there to thank God for? You have to reframe your thoughts through gratitude, okay? I'll give you an illustration of this. So I'm in the mall, and I'm walking down the, the, you know, the mall, and the windows of all the stores are lined up here. And as I'm walking down in the mall, I'm walking down the mall, I look over, and I'm shocked. Because in the glass, I see this old man. And I'm, I'm walking along, I look over, and there's this, and it's like, who, what, what who is this? And then I suddenly realize, it's you. You are the old man. And I'm feeling a little discouraged about this, right? I'm feeling like, like this, is, this is where it all ends up, you know? You just become an old man. This is like the whole thing is happening here, and now here I am. There I am. Well, I was a nice old man. Look at the old man. You know, the old man is me, right? And so I'm discouraged as I'm walking around the place. And then I see this guy walking with a T-shirt on. He's another old man. 
I recognized him right away as an old man. But <laughs> And on the t-shirt, it says, aged to perfection. Aged to perfection. And all the ones I think to myself, I'm aged to perfection. Yes, I'm an older guy. I'm an older guy because I survived. I'm an older guy because I kicked some butt in life, you know. I'm an older guy because I did some things that, you know, and all at once, my thinking gets transformed. You get it? My thinking gets transformed because of realizing I'm thanking God for the victories. I'm thanking God for the triumphs. I'm thanking God for the things that happen. So this is one of the ways that we can do battle with disappointment. You've got you've to take the time, and this is a, you know, it's a process. You've got to take the time to look at your situation and say, okay, where, where is the Lord in this? A lot of times when things go wrong for me, a lot of times I stop and I go, okay, Remember, God is always more interested in what he's doing in you than what he's doing through you or any of this other stuff, right? He's, he's developing something inside of you. And so I'm always, uh, it, it means a, a, a lot to me to realize this, this idea that God is, is, is uh, trying to work on me. And so I, I, many times I'll stop in a situation and I'll, I'll forget about, you know, here's this disappointment. Well, why didn't this happen? Why didn't it happen? I forget about that. And I'll, and I'll say, Lord, what were you trying to work in me as a result of this disappointment? What were you after inside of me? What were you dealing with inside of me? If you don't realize God's dealing with some things inside of you, you're missing out on a lot of stuff. Uh, here, let, let's look here. Number two, understanding God's primary purpose is to grow you. Look what it says here, number two. God grew, God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity. He restored. We see an original and intended shape for our lives there in him. After God made the decision of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name. After he called them by name, he sent them on a solid basis with himself. And then after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. God never wastes a problem that you face. He uses it to form the character of Christ in you. I can remember I was here at Bible school, and uh, uh, it was the second semester of my freshman year. I I, I got put in with a, a guy. His name was Buzz. And I was a freshman and kind of a messed up freshman. And this guy was, I think he was like from West Virginia or something, and and he... He just, I, I, it's just hard to describe it. He was on me all the time for all kinds of stuff. And it, it worked out that he was, a, he was also an RA. He got, you know, he, you know, somehow somebody in their divine wisdom made him, a, made him an RA. And so I'm sharing this room with this guy, and he is, he is just, 
And, and you've got to understand me now. I'm a freshman. I'm working 30 hours a week at night to try to go to school. I'm going to Pinko at the factory. You, 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 did you do some time at Pinko? I'm going to Pinko. It used to be a factory down here at the time. We're working in the factory. I'm, I'm, you know, 25, 30 hours a week. I'm working every night. So I go to school all day. We have the time, school ends at a certain time. Get out. We go to the factory. They're at the factory for four or five hours at night, you know, and then, and then come home, and it goes like that all week long. I am absolutely stretched to beyond myself, okay? And I'm, I'm going to school like this. And so, so there used to be this little rule, rule that you think you have rules now. <laughs> there used to be this thing they had. They had a, a couple of boxes in the dormitory, little three-by-five cards in them. You people remember these? Some of you, some of you old-timers remember this? Go three-by-five cards. And when you were in the dorm or on campus, you had your little card in the inbox. And if you went off campus, you were responsible to take the little card and put it in the outbox. Inbox, outbox. Now, I went to work every day. And he's my roommate. Right? He knows where I Where is he? He's at work. Right? He knows where I am. But that didn't matter to Buzz. <laughs> he, he, he took... I, 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 one day, I forgot to move my card from the inbox to the outbox, and I just went to work. The next day, I used to try and, when school was over with, I would try and just lay down for a half hour. I just wanted to get a half hour to rest before I, uh, before I had to go to work. And I, I'd, I'd go to my room, and I'm laying down. I'm laying down in my room. The door comes open, and, uh, and it's Buzz. And he says in a sing-songy voice, guess what you forgot to do? And I'm laying there, you know, a little bit, I'm almost asleep. Guess what you forgot to do? You forgot to move your card. Five demerits. And as I'm laying there in the bed, something snapped. <laughs> and I said, okay, I'm just going to roll out of bed. I'm going to walk across the room, and I'm going to punch him as hard as I can. <laughs> right in the face. I'm going to smash him right in the face. This, was the, this could have been easily the end of my Elam career. Okay, right here. And so sure enough, he guess what you forgot to do? Five demands. And I said, okay, that's it. I turned. I rolled over. I started getting out of the bed. I was almost completely standing up, and the Spirit of God fell on me. Command. And the Lord says to me, that's it. And I was like, I fell back into the lower bunk I was on. He said, that's it. That's what I've been after in you. See, I thought Buzz was the problem. You with me? Buzz wasn't the problem. The problem was inside of me. And I remember I just, I just wept on the bed. I was just so overwhelmed, so, just so, so overwhelmed with everything that I was failing at at school, every, every, everything in life. I just, I just wept on the bed because God was after something inside of me. So you always have to remember everything that's going on, God is 
after something in you. This is what he's, this is what it's about. It's not about other people. You know, this is what he means by our weapons are not natural things. You know, it's not natural enemies that we're dealing with. It's spiritual enemies that we're fighting with. Okay, look at number three. Trusting in the wisdom of God, Daniel 2.20. He said, let the name of God be blessed forever and ever for wisdom and power belong to him. Look at this tremendous quote from Chip Ingram. I, I just, this has helped me so many times. The wisdom of God tells us that God will bring about the best possible result by the best possible means for the most possible people for the longest possible time. One of the great, one with the greatest wisdom is the greatest, the one with the greatest wisdom has the greatest power and is working for the greatest good inside of us. What that's telling you is this. If you understood everything God was doing, if you understood really what was going on, you wouldn't be angry. You would be saying, thank you, Lord, for doing this. this it's not the path I would have picked. It's not what I would have wanted, but thank you, Lord, for doing this. And I, I put a list of things in here. You know, one of the things you have to do, the, one of the ways you, take, you, you do battle is through self-talk. And so these are some of the confessions that I make, right? So when I'm going through something difficult, these are the things I'm saying to myself, right? Instead of accusing myself, attacking other people, everything else, these are some of the phrases that I say to myself. So you can put this someplace and just repeat these. Matter of fact, repeat them with me right now. So after I say this, God knows what he is doing. Say that. God knows what he's doing. Say it. God is not trying to hurt me, but to bless me. God will make me better through this. I want to be comfortable, but God wants me to grow. This is not a mistake, but, but God will use this to change me. God will not waste my pain. What others have meant for evil, God has meant for good. God never promised me a trouble-free life. He promised to make me like Jesus. If I sow in tears, I will reap in joy. So this little, this is a little set of phrases, but over the years, you start accumulating these. And you need some of these babies, right? So if you don't have any of your own, pick some of mine and grab them. And when things start happening, just start saying these things over in your mind. Your self-talk, see, what you say to yourself, that is where a lot of poison and where you can actually stop problems before they ever get started by, by, by speaking some of these things into your situation. Okay, number four. Separate goals from the underlying desires God has put in your heart. Trust in the Lord, do good, dwell in the land, cultivate faithfulness, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he will do it. See, now goals, they are changeable. You're going you're, you're to have all through your life, you're going to have different kinds of goals in different kinds of circumstances. Matter of fact, in, you're, you're, you're in one set of circumstances. Um, uh, uh, you know, for example, I was the president of the school. 
And then it came a point where I stepped down as the president of the school. Now I'm not the president anymore. I had all kinds of goals when I was the president of the school that those goals had to be let go of now. And I had to establish new goals. But what doesn't change is those inner desires. He says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires that are in your heart. Every one of you that are here right now, as you give yourself to the Lord, he is giving you the desires that are in your heart. Don't deny them. Don't say, oh, it can't be God because I want it. No. If, if you have given yourself to the Lord, if you've delighted yourself in the Lord, he will give. Now, each new, so, so what happened is my job changed, right, as president of the school. But my desires don't change. Those were given by God. They're absolutely, they're, they're a part of me. They're who I am. And so I had to become up with other ways to do the things, that, you get it, that, that were in my heart to do, the desires to, to do. I ended up starting a ministry called Not Many Fathers. And the, that comes from the phrase where Paul says, he says, you have many tutors, but not many fathers. Why? Because one of the inner desires of my heart has been the developing of leadership and helping people, young leaders, and helping people come into their call. And move. Well, that was there when I was the head of the school. But when the head of the school, my goals had to change when that changed. And I had to come up with another way to do that. Um, you know, I, I have a burning desire to preach. Some of you know I, I preached, uh, I, I teach preaching here at the school. I have a burning desire to preach. That didn't start recently. That has been in me. When I, I you know, I told you about the factory of Pinko. When I was in the factory of Pinko, they had, they had, uh, I, I worked in, the, they called it the electrical test area. And what you would do is you'd pick up an insulator. That's what they used to make there. You'd pick up an insulator, you'd put it on this little rack, and the rack would go into this room in front of you, and on the other side, of, as it would kind of go around, a lightning bolt would come down. And if there was any flaw in that insulator, the insulator would explode. It was quite a job to have, really. The insulator would explode. And, and so, so, so this thing is coming around. I'm loading it. So there's like four of them. I'm loading it, and then it, that moves forward. I'm loading the next one. That moves forward. Now they're getting hit by light. This machine was so loud. You could not hear. Like I had a guy stand next to me doing the same thing, and we couldn't talk to each other. You couldn't hold a conversation with another. Hey, you know, you, you, you know, let's start break for lunch. You know, you, know, you, you, could, you couldn't have a conversation. This machine is just going bam, 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 bam. So I said, I'm going, to start, I'm going to start preaching. Nobody can hear me anyway. And these insulators, they definitely need it. You know what I mean? They need something. So I would preach, you know, to these, you know, you need to give your life to Christ. You need to, I'm preaching away. They would, lightning would hit them. You didn't listen to me. You know what I mean? You and I'm, I'm so, I'm so built up with this, so so fired up with this passion to preach that I came to the I couldn't understand why people didn't want to let me just start preaching. I came to the to the school uh, student ministries and I said to them, I said, Are there any churches that just need me to come out there and you know do a little preaching for them and this kind of thing? And you know they were trying to be nice to me, but nobody wanted me you know basically to come. And uh, and they said, Well, you got this one place you can go. He says the Open Door Mission in downtown Rochester. And every evening at 6 o'clock, they feed people. But there's no, no eating unless you hear the preaching. Okay, you got to have, you, get, you, you, you come in, we preach to them, 
and then they could eat their food, right? Kind of a thing. So now this is my, this is my congregation. I'm at the open door. They are sitting there, you know, they're clipping their nails while I'm talking. They're, you know, they're, they're, they are drug-filled, alcohol-filled, all kinds of brokenness in this room, but they can't eat until they hear me preach. And, and I would get up there and preach. Now, I'm, I'm sure if you had looked in the window, you would not have thought to yourself, hey, future prophet to the nations. You wouldn't have thought that. You would have looked in the window and thought, who is that poor loser with all these drunken people, you know, trying to talk to them about Jesus, right? Uh, kind of a thing. But I did it. I went every week and did it, did it, and did it. I can remember when five years later, I got an invitation to go. I had just come on staff here at Elam, and I got an invitation to go to India with Carlton Spencer, who was longtime president of school, 35 years, to go to India. I went with him to India, and almost the door opens up, and I am standing in front of 10,000 people with a brush arbor over them, preaching the word of God to 10,000 people in India in fulfillment of the vision that God had put in my heart, prophet to the nations, in fulfillment of that, here I am, you know, doing this, uh, doing this thing. You know, what am I trying to, what am I trying to say? Your goals will change, but that thing in me preaching, that thing, that thing is there, right? This, I got to do it. Right? And I don't, I'm not just happy doing it. I, I'm not happy unless you do it better than me. Right? That, I just got, I, 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 this is so important, this preaching, this power of preaching, to have an influence and an impact in people's lives. Okay. I'm going to quit. Let's, let's just take a moment and... Uh, and bow our heads and our hearts, okay? Before the Lord. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Often this isn't something anybody else can see, but maybe you have been battling internally with unfulfilled expectations. Things you thought would turn out a certain way haven't turned out that way. And disappointment is trying to put its clutches into your heart. And you're struggling, how am I supposed to respond? What am I supposed to do as this thing is trying to grip me, trying to get a hold of me? And today, this hasn't just been a a sermon for you. It's been a call. You could, you could hear the Lord saying something to you, saying, this, this guy's talking to you about something you need to learn, you need to know. He's talking to you about this special fight. If you've been battling for some reason with disappointment and its grip on you, 
I want you to just lift both your hands in the air right now, right where you're seated, just humbly confessing your, your need right now. You've been struggling with disappointment, falling short of expectations, falling short of what you thought would happen, what you hoped would happen. You've been tempted to move to numbness. You've been tempted to move in all these different ways, but the Lord is inviting you right now. He's just saying, you know what? All this stuff is all me. It's all about my love for you. It's all about, you, you, you thought it was about this certain accomplishment, but it's not about this certain thing that's supposed to, that you thought was going to happen. It's about the fact that I am causing you to become the person that I want you to be. That I'm going to finish the work that I started in you. And that even your pain, I will use it like a surgeon's scalpel to reshape you. And to help you. That I have a purpose in all of this. That I'm not going to waste anything, the Lord is saying. Lord, right now around the room, different ones have their hands just raised. I just ask by the power of your spirit that you would just come upon different lives, different hearts right now. Make yourself so real. Goals will change, but the heart passion that you have is not going to change. And God is making you. He's making you. You thought buzz was the problem. Buzz is not the problem. He's making you. He's shaping you. And if you are willing to recommit to the fight right now, if you're saying, yes, I will go, just, just tell him right now. Just tell him. Say, Lord, I'm in the fight. I'm not giving up. I don't understand. Success is not being defined the way I hoped it would be. But I am in the fight, and I'm going to keep doing what you're telling me to do every day now. Every day. I'm going to keep following you, keep doing your will, keep doing what you're telling me to do, trusting that you're going to complete the work that you've begun in me. We thank you for it now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's applaud the Lord. Can we do that? Just applaud him. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy of my whole life. Everything that I have, you are worthy, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. I love you.